So for the next few weeks, I just want to talk to you as we get into this season uh, from this theme, are you ready for Christmas? This question we always ask each other, are you ready for Christmas? Come on. So here we go. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah. Anybody know what chapter I might be going to maybe for Christmas? You theologians, Isaiah chapter starts with an N, 9. All right, there's one theologian there. Isaiah chapter 9, and uh, we'll be reading uh, from there as one of our scriptures this morning. And uh, again, I'm just excited we come to this time of year where people all over the world, from all walks of life and all ages, celebrate. Some don't even know why they're celebrating, quite honestly, but uh, it's a season. It's winter. They don't even know. They just We get together and we celebrate. It's the Christmas season. It and it's called the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, I believe that because it seems like people have a little more cheer during this season. People are a little more friendly. You go outside and you shake hands a little longer and you, you're at the mall and you talk a little bit more. And, uh, you know, you, you get back in touch with family that you haven't talked to in a long time. And everybody seems a little more friendly uh, this time of year, I, well, I'm saying that egregiously, maybe not everybody. There's some Scrooges out there. But a lot of people seem, uh, you know, more friendly this time of year. And I, I love the season. I love the decorations and the music and all of the cheer. However, you know, when we think about this time of year, many of us, especially us as Christians, we are reminded that the reason for the season is Christ, is Jesus, Right? specifically the celebration of his birth. But as I reflect on the birth of Christ, I wonder what it was like before Christ was here and the anticipation of people. Do you think people said, are you ready for Christmas before Christ was born? No, that's a softball because there was no Christmas yet. I just threw that out there for you. But yeah, they, but, they were, but they were excited about something. You know, they were excited about that time of the year. And it would be a manifestation of hope, a manifestation of hope when Christ was born. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm going to begin at verse 2 in the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says this, the Lord spoke, Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And the Bible says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them, a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. As in the day of Midian, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Somebody say, unto me a son is given. Unto me a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Bible says that the government will be upon his shoulders. I know that this year for us here at Life Church has been a year of action. I know in my own life there have been huge steps of faith that I've taken, and I know for all of us there have been transitions and uh, different things that we've gone through and are about to go through, and it's been just a year where we've transitioned and we've, we've had to take action in many different things. Now, I know with businesses, we've had to make decisions, uh, with careers, retirements, all of those types of things, we've had to make decisions. And sometimes when you go through those things, it seems like there's just so much on your shoulders that it's hard to take. I mean, my wife started her doctorate program this year. Uh, you know, people are, are changing jobs and leaving jobs and going through all kind of things. And sometimes it just seems like there's so much on your shoulders that you just can't take it. And I know this is a type and shadow, but if you look at the scripture here, the Bible says the government will be upon his shoulder. Some of us need to look at our shoulder on the left and look at it on the right and kind of do like this and say, Lord, you can have this government. You can have it because it's going to be on your shoulder and not our shoulders. Come on. We have so many things that burden us down. And this time of year, I believe that God wants you to know that hope has come. Uh, hope has come not only to shine a light, but to take your burdens. Jesus later would say, my burden is easy and my yoke is what? Light. Hope has come. And so I think about what these folks, these ancient Israelites thought when they heard the prophecies, when they asked the question, are you ready? for Christmas. It wasn't because they knew that they would get gifts and have to give gifts and have turkey and Christmas ham. It was something else. There was a hope. Here's what I'm talking about when I talk about hope. To desire with expectation. Come on. That's hope of obtainment or fulfillment. To expect with confidence and with trust. Put that up, Angie. This is my definition. This is my definition of hope. To desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. To expect with confidence and with trust. This is the hope that they had was not just the hope, well, I kind of wish it might happen. But the hope that they had was a hope of expectation. Something is coming. Something is coming. Let's look at some scriptures. What were they talking about? Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This is the hope that they were waiting for, not what was under the tree. Come on. Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. What were they waiting for? There was a hope that was coming. Look at Micah 
5.2. New King James puts it this way, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. God's Word translation puts it this way. It says, you are too small to be included among Judah's cities. Yet from Israel's future ruler will come for me. His origins go back to the distant past, to days long ago. There was a hope, a hope in Jesus. You see, very often when we think of that word hope for us and as it relates to us, it's something that's going to happen for us. I sure hope that I get the job. I hope that they fix my car correctly. I hope that they have the dress that I want when I go to the store. I hope I have enough money to get the dress when I go to the store. I hope my team wins the game. I hope that my children are successful. All of these things are great things to hope for, but they're all things. And this hope that we're talking about, we now find that the hope the scriptures speak of was not an event. The coming hope was not as much about, now watch this, the birth of Christ as it was about Christ. Come on. And Christ and the revelation of who he is, not just his birth, was that hope. We're going someplace with this. But now we find that 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We now find that it's about the revelation of who Jesus is. We focus so much, Christians, saints, on the birth of Christ. Let me put it to you this way. Imagine we were having a birthday party for you. It's your birthday, and we're having a grand event. And I mean, we hired a band, and we have all kinds of refreshments, and we invite people from far and near and up and down and east and west, and they all come to this great event. And it's a formal event. Everybody dresses in their nice dress and their nice suit and they're on their best behavior and they enjoy the night and they have a great time and it's festive but nobody speaks to you you're in the corner and people are having a good time talking to each other and uh, just ha laughing and doing all kinds of things but nobody talks to you and you slip out of the room and no one even notices then you begin to think what are we here for I thought this was a birthday party for me, but nobody not only talks to me, nobody talks about me, but they sure are having a good time. And so we focus so much on the birth of Christ that sometimes we forget about Christ. Christmas, yes, Christmas is about the birth of Christ, but isn't Christmas about Christ himself? I mean, it wasn't just anybody that was born at this time. Come on. We're talking about the king who sits on high and looks low. 
We're talking about the creator of the universe, the one that breathed life into your body. He was here from the beginning. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 1 Peter 1.13 in the New Living Translation puts it this way, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all, all, all of your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Don't you see that Christmas is about the revelation of Jesus Christ, not just about his birth. And very often we view Christmas correctly as the coming of Christ. However, viewing it through human eyes and this terminable paradigm, you must realize that uh, we bring Christ to us, to our understanding. And so often we forget that Christ has been here the whole time. The world looks at it as the beginning of Jesus. When Christ was born, that was the beginning of Jesus. But we must understand that he's been here since the beginning. Jesus has been here and working because he is the word. The word has been working from eternity past until now. And what happened at Christmas time was that that word was just manifest. Come on, somebody. It was just a trick. Jesus has been here the whole time. So often in our life, we want Jesus to do a great thing. He's been working the whole time behind the scenes. Somebody say behind the scenes. God's been working for us the whole time. We don't realize it. Sometimes we've messed it up. God's been working and we turned our back on him. Come on. Other times he's allowed us to go through some things for our good. But he's been here the whole time. And Christmas is about the revelation of who he is. I was looking at a Barna pole. How many of you know that could be dangerous sometimes when you look at these Gallup polls and Barna polls and different polls about what people do and believe and say. But I was reading through this poll, and poll is from 2015, and it talked about what Americans believe about Jesus. And the vast majority of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. They believe he was a real person. 92% of all Americans believe that Jesus was a person that walked the earth. Now, of that, only 87% of millennials believe that. You probably say, Pastor Mike, why are you mentioning millennials? Well, whether you like it or not, they are your future. Because there's a future president. There's a future doctor that's going to take care of you when you get older. Come on, somebody. And so they're important. Millennials are typically known as those that may be around 15 years old now all the way up to somewhere around 35 years old, somewhere around there. That's what I'm talking about, are young people who are making decisions now. Come on. Younger generations are increasingly less likely to believe that Jesus was God. 56% of all Americans believe Jesus was God. They believe what the scripture says in Isaiah. 48% of the millennial, less than 50% of the millennial generation believes that Jesus was actually God. 87% of them believe that there was a Jesus. I'm going somewhere. But only 48%, less than 50%, believe that he was actually 
God. Now, Americans are divided on whether Jesus was sinless. Oh, yeah. To this statement, when Jesus was on earth, he committed sins like everyone else. To that statement, 28% of all adults agree strongly with that statement. It's true. They were polled. 35% of millennials agree strongly. I wonder why. If I can't do it, what makes me think he could do it? People are conflicted between Jesus and good deeds as the way to get to heaven. Among those who have made a personal commitment. Now, what, listen to what I'm saying. Among those who have made a personal commitment to Jesus, those who believe you will go to heaven because you are basically a good person, about 12% of all Americans believe that of those who have made a commitment to Jesus. I'm not talking about heathens. 18% of millennials believe that. I'm making a commitment to Jesus. I'm going to commit myself to a church. But if I just am a good person, I'll get to heaven. And so I say all that to say this. I think as Christians, this time of year, in the midst of all of the hubbub, and I, as I told you before, I love it. I do. I'm not discounting uh, all of the cheer and, you know, the, I won't go to the mall, but, you know, uh, I'll watch people and hear stories. And, uh, but I, I love decorations and going through the neighborhood and seeing all of that, and uh, I, I love it all. Lord knows I love the food. Uh, come on. And so I love all of that. But in the midst of all of that, I think us as Christians we need to do a little self-reflection. And the question arises to you this morning, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Well, you know, Brother Mike, I heard those questions you asked, and, and I believe that Jesus was a person, and I believe that he really uh, was and is God, and uh, I'm not divided about the fact that Jesus was sinless. I know he was sinless because the Bible says it, and uh, I don't think for a moment that just my good deeds will get me into heaven. I believe that you must be saved. You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. And I also believe that if I repent, repent of my sins and be baptized, God will fill me with the Holy Spirit. I believe all of that. I confess it with my mouth and I believe it. So here's my second question for you. Since you believe all of that, does your life reflect what you believe? Yeah, I'm talking self-reflection. Does your life reflect what you believe? Well, I think it does. But now you're not trying to impress me. You're not trying to impress your husband or your wife or your kids or your friends. You're looking in the mirror all by yourself at this moment. And you're asking yourself, Michael, does your life reflect what you believe about Jesus? Well, let's ask a third question. Go a little further. Let's go a little deeper. Let's probe a little more. You didn't want to probe this much this morning, did you? What do you think Jesus would say that you believe about him? If the Lord Jesus were sitting across from you as you sit in your seat, 
And you responded that I believe my life reflects what I believe about you, Jesus. What do you think he would say? Now, before you answer that question, remember that he is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is from eternity past to eternity. He knows all things. He's seen all things. Come on. Every thought. Do I have to go deeper? He knows it all. Now, with that in mind, what do you think Jesus would say about what you believe about him? These are the questions that we must ask ourselves. And so the manifestation of Jesus brought to life the hope of salvation in the form of a person. And Jesus this morning brings these questions to us not to condemn us, not to put us down in any way, shape, or form. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I did not come into the world to condemn you, but to what? Save you. That's why he's here. That's why he's here this morning. That's why he's asking these questions of you as you think about Christmas and as you think about the birth of Christ. Is it really about his birth or is it really about him? John 10, 9, Jesus is very clear and he says it this way. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out, go in, and find pasture. Here's what I want to tell you about this. I don't want to be controversial to you this morning, but I want this point to really be hammered home because I believe the Lord is really speaking this to you this morning. Remember the scenario about the birthday party that's for you, and you're there at the party, but nobody's speaking to you. Remember that. Now think about this. In order to gain salvation, the Bible does not encourage us only to repent of our sins. I'm still going somewhere. Hang with me now. Repenting of your sins is great. Repenting of your sins is necessary. Doesn't reference it in salvation. I know. I, I understand the quiet. I, I believe me. I get it. I understand it. Doing good deeds. Great stuff to do. The Bible doesn't speak of it. About salvation. These things are things that come from salvation. If you look at this verse of scripture, Jesus didn't say repenting of your sins is the door. Water baptism is the door. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the door. I just He's making a point this morning to you. He said, I am the door. Look at Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on water baptism shall be saved. You Listen, you must be baptized. I'm going to tell you that right now because Jesus told us you must be baptized. And you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would you not? Why would you argue that point? Why would you argue it? 
But none of that happens until you first get the revelation of who he is. He said, I am the door that whosoever calls on my name, whoever calls on the name, everything begins and ends with Jesus. All the other stuff, tongues, baptism, everything, every good work, everything that we do, giving, overcoming, deliverance, healing, all of it begins with a person. Not with an event. Jesus is just saying to you this morning, it's a relationship. My spirit will show you and teach you all things. Last scripture, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, not through baptism, not through tongues, not through repenting of your sins, not through any of that, through him might be saved. Jesus and Jesus alone is our salvation. And when we lose sight of that, we begin to have funny doctrines. That's how doc all these other doctrines come about and denominations and religions come about because we lose sight of who we begin to lose sight of who. And when we lose sight of who, we get off track. Now, see, someone might think I'm saying, well, what are you saying, Brother Mike? You don't need to speak in tongues. Or you don't need to get water baptized. Or you don't need to healing doesn't matter. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you all of that matters. But it's all wrapped up in him. That's why we can call on one name. Come on, somebody. And I love Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. I love Jehovah Nisi, my banner. In battle, Jehovah Tishkanu, all the Jehovah's, come on. I love it. And guess what? They're all wrapped up in that one name, the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. There is no other name by which men will be saved than the name of Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. Let me stop now. Come on now. He's the front. He's the back. He's the head, not the tail. He's on both sides. Come on. He's on the mountain and he's in the valley. It's all about Jesus. He's the pilot. He's the wind. He's the plane. Come on. He's the car. He's the fuel. He's the spark plug. He's everything. It's all about him. And so I think during this Christmas season and during this time, as we sing Let It Snow, and as we talk about how it's the most wonderful time of the year, and how we sing about the first Noel and the star, and all of these other things, saints, we cannot lose sight of the purpose and I'm talking about going past birth, just the birth of Christ. I'm talking about Christ himself. It's not just about baby Jesus. Jesus has been here the whole time. That's just how he manifests himself to grow. But he's been here the whole, the word of God has been the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He is here for you. And God is for you and not against you. And he manifests himself for hope. So what is our hope? What is our hope this Christmas season? Is our hope gifts that we give each other? 
is our hope that our family would be with us and get saved or we would reconnect with family. What is our hope this Christmas season? Is our hope that we would get a new job? Is our hope that we would have enough money to pay our bills? Is, what is our hope? This, what is your hope this Christmas season? Our hope this Christmas season is a person, and his name is Jesus.